So, Lord, we prophesy today that every part of this earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We say in the name of Jesus, to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth, glory, 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 to the ends of the earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we continue to worship this morning, we need to realize that when you speak, when you testify of Jesus, it says that is the spirit of prophecy. When you speak ultimate goals that Christ has put in your heart, and not just because it's written in the Bible, but because you actually believe it, that he will come, he will have what he deserves. Uh, He will be enthroned upon the floods. He will be enthroned in the nations. He will have all the honor, all the glory, all the power. When we say those things, we are prophesying. We are calling those things that are not as though they are. And so there's a spirit inside of you. There's an overcoming spirit inside of you, whether you know it or not, that declares the end at the beginning. And that's what tension of worship is about, to enthrone him now, despite the fact that he is not enthroned within every nation, within every culture, within any tribe. We are calling those things which are not as though they are. And it's not just the band that's doing that. We are doing that. So your sound is incredibly important in releasing this truth. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, release the spirit of Elijah in our midst. Release the spirit of prophecy here in our mouths. Lord, you said the victory is near you, even in your mouth. And Moses said, I wish that all the people were prophets. I wish that they all prophesied. Lord, this is our destiny, that we would speak the oracle of God on the earth, that you deserve all the glory. And so, Lord, we declare it to the ends of the earth. Be glorified, be magnified, be exalted above all gods. Can you say amen? So this morning as we're going to press into worship even more, I want to welcome you to Spruce Grove Community Church. If you're visiting with us for the first time or the second time or third time, welcome. So glad to have you here. It's great. My mind is, is fixated upon a reality this morning. And, you know, we we define victory different than how God defines victory. And we we define victory as a moment when victory is realized. We define victory as a moment when we see the conquest of our enemies. But that's not really what victory is. Victory is an atmosphere. Victory is a constant atmosphere and reality that lives before the presence of God right now. And I saw us this morning, I started when we were in prayer, I saw this morning, this, uh, it's like the, the jet stream above the, uh, the earth, it just, it's constant, it just flows, and, and I see this jet stream of God's glory that exists in heaven, this constant reality of the supremacy of God. And it's like, it's like we're living down here, and we are, we are assaulted on every side, we are perplexed, we are, we are chased by the enemy, we're, our heels are being bit all the time, and God is saying, listen, come up higher, come up higher, stick your head into the reality that surrounds me right now, get your consciousness and your heart into my world, 
And I see us sort of struggling to get our heads up. And I remember a few years ago, I saw this picture of somebody who for the first time, they had been told about this reality, but for the first time, they they actually got their heads up and they began to feel the confidence of the resurrection of God, that, that nothing could conquer, that even death was nothing in the eyes of God. And the sureness, the stability, the strength, the glory of that reality just came cascading down upon their minds. And I believe this morning that we can stick our heads and our hearts up into that realm. And that's what worship is about, that God would actually introduce us to that reality. And that through the fact that we are penetrating that realm, that that reality would filter down on our bodies and flow to those around us that maybe can't get their heads up that high. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, may the supremacy of your victory, may the absolute certainty of your victory come upon us today may the unshakable the unshakable reality that nothing on this earth can change the reality that you are the lord of glory may it filter into our lives today i want to tell you one more thing a friend of mine was just telling me a dream he had recently or in the last few years he said jesus was taking me to this place and he brought me to this military camp and i was watching these recruits and they were going through the you know, the obstacle course. And, and Jesus proudly said to him, here's my church. And when he looked at the church, they were running through this obstacle course, but they were not doing well. And they weren't, being, they weren't able to climb the wall, and they were ducking underneath things, and they were hitting their heads, and they were stumbling. And he said he laughed. And he laughed, and Jesus turned to him and said, you don't understand. He said, these are my friends. And they will do anything I ask them to do. And he was suddenly convicted and, and shocked by his unbelief. And, and he turned to the Lord and he said, Do you have weapons of mass destruction? And the Lord just simply looked at him calmly and said, Yes, we do. The church, with all its imperfections, and you with all of your weaknesses, And us, with all the incompleteness of where we are today in our journey, we are being prepared for something that is above us, that is not from us, but is sure, is complete, is ready, is prophesied, is determined, predetermined. It will come to pass, and we will participate in that. So lift up your heads. Lift up your heads. Lift up your heads. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. We say, do it in our midst, Lord. Do it in our hearts. Do it in our lives. Shift our attention away from our incompleteness and on to who you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him. Years ago, John Wimber said that the presence of the Lord is the power of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is the power of the Lord. Let me say it again. The presence of the Lord is the power of the Lord. Pull your minds in right now to nothing more than the presence and the power of the Lord. Like, take it in. Just begin. Make your mind focus on the Lord. Don't let your mind go anywhere. But Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I pull on your presence. If you are sick, if you are have something in your body today, just come and pull on God right here in the middle. Just come up here. Pull on God right here. If there's anything wrong with your body, just come and pull on God right here because the presence of the Lord is the power 
of the Lord. And don't wait for something to happen to you. Reach, reach in your heart with all of your strength. Reach to him, touch him. Touch the hem of his garment. In Jesus' name, let the curse be broken. Sickness be broken. Let death be swallowed up in life. Now listen, we are in a school. You are in a school right now. God is trying to train us how to manifest His presence, beginning within your life. If there's a challenge inside your body, He says, don't forget my promises. Who's He commanding to not forget? Us. You are in a school right now of worship. God is teaching you how to worship, how to enter. We will enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Listen, when you first become a Christian, God comes to you and He gives you something, but He's training you to come into His. And so what He does, He doesn't, He will, He will keep, He will do that less and less because He's backing up and He expects you to move towards Him. He's training you to move towards Him. And many of us are stuck in that no man's land where well, I remember when you just did it, God. And that's the, I want to be sure it's you by you just doing it. He said, no, no, no. No, that's not how it works anymore. You are my body. You draw near to me. And some of us are wilting on the vine because God is saying, come on, draw near, draw near, draw near. I'm not going to do for you what I did for you when you were a child, I want you to believe. I want you to draw near. But Lord, when you did that thing, you, I was so happy. Yeah, now be happy and I'll do that thing. Before you were happy because I did that thing, now be happy because you know that thing is impending. Be happy. Be happy. So Father, we say, we enter that condition of the mind, that condition of of the soul that says, Lord, we trust in you. We set our hope on you. And Lord, we want to be like uh, those Israelites, Lord, who said to King Nebuchadnezzar, King, let it be known to you that we will not bow our knee to this. And whatever it is that's threatening over your life, just say, I will not bow to this. And I'm going to worship my king. And I'm going to love God. And I'm going to be happy. And I'm going to trust God. And God may or may not deliver me in the time or in the season or in the way that I I hope for. But it doesn't matter because God is. I believe that God is. I believe that God is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so, Lord, we'll follow hard after you just keep seeing this middle ground and so much of us are right in that middle ground and and God has said come on just run just run after me just run after me just run after me so father we say this morning we set our eyes on you and we say lord we want to lean into you and we give you our hearts and our minds and our our lives we say, Lord, we don't, even, we don't know how to do this. We only know how to do 
what we've already done, but Lord, we want to say we don't want to lean on our own understanding, but we want to lean into you today. So, God, take us higher, take us further. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Paul, come over here for a second. Um, you know, Paul was, was saying uh, to me uh, something that was really interesting because I was, as we were leaning in, part of our journey is this, is that when I was a young Christian, I went to Bible school and I, I learned that, you know, this is how you worship. These are the songs you sing. And these are the, the token expressions that you make. You know, these are the Christian, here's the lineup of expressions. You can clap, you can dance. You can jump, you can uh, sing, you can shout. And so, you know, you start to do those things, and, and, and that's, that's worship, that expression. And then the Lord began to challenge me. He said, yeah, no, there's more. Is, is there's an expression that begins not with the exterior of you, but a much deeper part of you. And what I, I, I thought, well, I thought I was doing it with everything in me. He said, well... No, you were trying, but you, you don't know how to do that yet. And so the place where you're starting from is the place you know how to start from. But what if I could told you there was a deeper place to start from? And it was like, I was like, well, how do you do that, God? And by His Spirit, He began to show me that there was more parts to me that could be engaged that I knew about. And so I was sitting there today, and I was thinking about... Uh, I was feeling this tension. I, I, I feel we keep going into our heads. We keep going into our heads. And, you know, I had exhorted us in the prayer room about putting our, up our heads into that stream that we were worshiping. I was trying to think of ways to say, hey, don't lead with your mind here. Don't, don't lean in with your mind. Lean in with your desire, but pull your head up into it. And then, uh, and I don't know, that may not mean anything to some of you. But anyway, Paul... He comes up, and I, I, I said, where were you? Because he wasn't around for the, you know, a lot of the prayers. He said, well, I was running errands because of the chili cook-off and everything. But tell, tell them what you told me when you came up. And he wasn't here for any of the things that I said, either there or here. Yeah, so when, once I got in here and once I, uh, we started worshiping, I was just worshiping. And God gave me this picture. And, and in this picture, uh, there was this doorway, and I was standing below it looking up. And I'm like, I can't even reach that. But... But I had the ability to jump up to the doorway. And as I jumped up to the doorway, instead of trying to grab onto it, I was hitting it with my head. And I was like, hey, God, what does that mean? And a big part of my process is, is if you know me, I like to understand things. Like, I like to, to know, okay, what's a leader and what does that look like and different topics. And, and I like to understand things. And a big part of my journey has been getting out of my own head. And realizing that, that a lot of it is, there's always going to be things I don't understand. Like, if you go to this church for longer than a week, there's going to be things that you don't understand. People standing on chairs, people coming to the front. And a big part of my journey has been, okay, you know what, I, might, I don't understand that, but God's doing something. And so it was just a reminder of, like, like, there's so often, there's so many of us that we see something happen and it's like, okay, I want to understand that. But the reality is, is God's doing stuff. And God's bigger than my mind. God's bigger than our minds. And he's going to do his thing regardless of whether we understand it or not. Amen. Amen. So, you know, we need to realize that God is in this school. And we don't stop learning. We don't stop pining and desiring for more. We have to be relentless 
in our desire for more of him. But you know what? There's this thing that creeps in with more experience to think, well, yeah, I know how to do worship. I, I know how to do prayer. I know how to do this. And God is like, oh, man, I'm so glad, he said, you know, for what you've acquired thus far. But, but you have no idea how much more there is. And, and God is trying to break off of us the tyranny of thinking we got a pretty good grasp on this thing called Christianity. Because we don't. I don't. You don't. And I'm hungering that God would teach me. You know, this dream that this brother had, he was sharing with me, he had two other dreams afterwards. In one of the dreams, he was in a room of brilliant light, and on the wall there was these weapons, kingdom weapons that were, they were pulsating, he said, with power. And, but nobody, was, nobody had any. Nobody was using any. These were yet unused in the earth. And he's looking at these weapons on the wall. And they're pulsating with power, and he so badly wants to touch one, but he's afraid that if, you know, I might die. So he doesn't touch one, but he comes out of the room, and, he, and Jesus is there, and he says, did you know there were weapons in that room? And the Lord just looks at him and said, yeah. Oh, God, there's so much beyond our knowledge. There's so much beyond our knowledge. Oh, God, would you... Would you take us? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They're going to, they have the power to bring into obedience all knowledge that rises up against the knowledge of God. There is knowledge rising up against the knowledge of God in our nation, in our land. And God has weapons that will decimate that. And every time we see the weapons of the enemy prevailing, the knowledge that is not the knowledge of God prevailing, it is a reminder to us that there is yet another knowledge that can consume this knowledge. There is, you know, like Moses before Pharaoh, there is, there is a serpent in his staff that if he just puts it down, it will eat up the serpents of the, the magicians of Pharaoh. There is a knowledge of God that will swallow up every other knowledge. There is a life in God that can swallow death. And so when you are seem to be overcome, by something that is a setback, by something that is discouraging, by something that is disillusioning, by something that seems to eclipse your former power, your former authority, your former condition. It's simply God's invitation for you to step into another level of the revelation of Him because He's saying, for this you need something else. Come to me. Come to me and find it. Come to me and find it. This is the trajectory. This is, this is not by accident that you enter into these phases in your life. This is not the supremacy of the enemy, that you enter into these moments and these times when the enemy seems to, to keep, get the upper hand. It is an invitation. It means you have used the weapons I've given you thus far effectively, and you have conquered on the level that you have lived, but now I'm saying to you there is another level. So in, the, in as much as I've allowed the enemy to try to sift you, it's not so that he can sift you. It's so that you can discover the power resident in your spirit. Something I've already moved in you, put inside of you. There is something available to you that you still do not know. Would you come after it or are you going to roll over and die? And I'm saying, let's go after it. Amen.
So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, staying on guard here for a few minutes. And Okay, Jim, why don't you come here? Okay. Stand with me. So, in, in case you're not aware, this last week, we started on Thursday. We actually had a dinner on Wednesday with some leaders from across the country. And Gideon Chu and David Demian were there with us. They unfortunately had to go to Malaysia on uh, Thursday, so they were only with us uh, Wednesday night and then uh, Thursday morning. But this event here, Stand on Guard, it is, it is a call to do what our national anthem uh, calls us to do, to stand on guard. In fact, um, yesterday, Dean Briggs got up. You remember Dean Briggs? He was with us a couple months ago. Dean Briggs got up, and he said, he said that, we sang O Canada, and he said that is the most anointed song right now. It is a prophetic declaration of your destiny and your call as Canadians. And so we actually, we actually sang all the verses, and then we sang some of the verses in French, and somebody translated some of the verses. And I tell you, uh, there is, I mean, if anybody ever questioned the Christian heritage of Canada, just read the words of all the verses and the translation from French. From French. I mean, one of, one of the frames is that the Lord has anointed your forehead with glorious victory. That's in our national anthem. That is, that is in our national anthem. So I think our forefathers knew something about the kingdom of God, something about the spirit realm, something about victory, something about... And so the stand on guard for thee to protect, you know, in French it says, protégera nos, nos, nos foyers et nos droits. It will protect our homes and our rights, our homes and our rights. And I mean, we stand on guard for thee. So the whole call is to the church today because our rights are being eroded right now. In fact, there's a, there's a protest apparently planned for tomorrow against the event. There was a story written on CBC by a lawyer who was upset, presumably because he had a membership. This building that we have rented is also like the tri-leisure tri session, but they couldn't afford to keep it open, so they were planning on closing it for three weeks. So us renting it for 10 days is actually financing their ability to keep it open. So it was going to be closed for three weeks. Instead, it's closed for 10 days while we have our conference and we're paying for it. So it's a net gain for the town. But this guy's upset about he can't go and walk. And, but he really is upset that the Christians are there who don't support abortion and who are uh, homophobic or, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, what, what, is, this, is this where we're at in our country that Christians who for 150 years established this nation and believe in a certain type of morality are not even allowed to rent a building or hold a public event, that that's where we're at? I mean, we need to realize that, that you know, what's going on in our culture? Sometimes we bury our heads in, you know, our, our work and our life. But I tell you what, there's a war going on outside of uh, the, the borders of our lives that we didn't even know about. And, and uh, it's being waged in the government, it's being waged in the courts, and it's being waged in, by policymakers in, in, uh, in, in, the, in uh, political parties and in, uh, I mean, all over the place. We need to make our voices known. Amen? Amen. So anyway, stand on guard is the spiritual 
spear of, of standing for our nation. So this event, coming together of leaders from across Canada, we have over 1,000. I think there are about 1,200 registered. There are still more coming. Um, it's an amazing number of older people, like a lot of gray hairs, which really excited me because we had a meeting uh, yesterday morning that went to places that were equal to the best of the gatherings that we've had across this nation. It was unbelievable. And it went there not because of the band and not because of the collection of leaders that were stewarding this, but because of the, the mean level of faith that was in the room. I mean, the, 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 what was being released by the people in the room determined where we went. It's not how we orchestrate things from the stage. That's not what determines where we go, just so you know. Sunday morning, okay, at a prayer meeting, it's not determined by the one or two people that are up front. It's being determined by the, the, the aggregate of everybody's faith and everybody's present orientation. And so we were able to go to an amazing place yesterday. Now, we had also Lou Engel with us, and we had Cindy Jacobs, and, I mean, they were, their gifts are amazing. Um, but there was a point where uh, we had done a lot of prophecies and praying and declarations, singing in the Spirit. It was great. And we wanted to transition because we wanted to give Cindy Jacobs half an hour to speak before our lunch. And so, so I, was, I was in charge of transitioning. So I went up, and I thought, you know, we'll just close this with a shout. And so I said, you know, we're going to give a shout, you know, the, the shout of the king and talks about it, how it breaks witchcraft and things like that. And uh, so I said, so we're going to count to three, we're going to shout. And so I went one, two, three. And I've never, I mean, it's been a long time since I heard a shout like that. Ten minutes later. Yeah. I, it, it went on for ten straight minutes. And it wasn't just a shout. It was a roar. It was an absolute majestic Roar in the room. We couldn't. We couldn't stop the people. I mean, we didn't even try. But it was like it's like wow. Like it just the momentum. This is what open heavens feels like. And this is what it's what happens when the people of God strap on their armor and come prepared for war and stand in the place. We're, we're, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're not wrestling with that lawyer or whoever might be coming to protest us. We're wrestling against principalities and powers, spiritual weak, wickedness in heavenly places. And this battle is real. The battle for the breakthrough is a battle for open heavens. It's for an atmosphere to come down. And we're contending for that every Sunday over here. Every time you have a prayer meeting, every time you make it your aim to enter the presence of the Lord, you're battling against an atmosphere, a knowledge that empowers an atmosphere that rises up against the knowledge of God. But you have it within you to win every single battle. So, I mean, share share a little bit. uh, And I know Curtis was there. Nathan, why don't you come up? I'd like you to share something. Um, And Gaylene was there, of course. So, is Nathan here? Is Curtis here? Okay. Gaylene? So these are, these are hard things to try and describe. Uh, in many ways, we don't necessarily even have a language for the, the kind of uh, depth that there is. Uh, talking to Derek after the morning session yesterday, and Derek, who is still there, Derek's planning to spend the full 10 days there. But he said, my shoulders are so tired. And I said to him, oh, just tension? Or getting asked him a like, bad pillow in the hotel or whatever. He goes, no, 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 no. It, it, I, I'm pushing so hard. Like, I'm, I'm carrying so much weight here. 
and so is everybody else. So that's, well, that's why things are getting done. And, and so it's just this, this idea, even in the physical body, the, the, the sense you had. We, we showed up on Thursday, uh, and we just because of the, I had to work and whatever, and then we got there. So we got there about almost half an hour after the meeting had started. But it started late, so maybe not quite. So maybe 15 minutes after the meeting had started. And we walked into the room, and I already knew, oh, this is not what I was expecting. Like, I was expecting that we were going to have to honestly probably kind of slog for a time, right? I mean, this is a group of people who have never been together before. It's a bunch of people. Um, you know, the, the band, it was, it was hilarious. Uh, so Art Lucier from, from British Columbia, was, he was leading in, in the worship. And, uh, and honestly, the band was um, working at it. Um, in terms of the musical quality. In fact, again, Derek made a comment. He goes, oh, I love this. It's just so raw. You know, it's not polished. It's not whatever. It didn't matter. Not a bit. There was no slogging. I mean, we walked into the room and it was already, okay, we've got to catch up. Like, how are we going to catch up? Um, but that wasn't hard either, though, because um, when you're surfing, sometimes, you know, you get to the, you get to the front pretty quick. Um, and then... And then, really, the kinds of things that were being declared. So, started off uh, the sense that Art had uh, right at the beginning. Even uh, actually, the worship came later because right at the beginning, he said, "You know, I know we normally do this thing where we get together and we worship for an extended period of time and we get all on the same page." But he says, "You know what? The Holy Spirit basically said, uh, we don't have time for that right now. We got stuff to do, and you need to be on that same page already.'" And so they went right into dealing with some issues uh, to deal with the First Nations. And I don't know if you know the history of North Battleford, but the reason this conference is happening in North Battleford is twofold. One is because 70 years ago this year, uh, the latter rain movement, the, the, the outpouring of God that happened there. And again, lots of people know that some of the things that came out of that later got a little off track and whatever. And so lots of people have actually sort of... Uh, you know, kind of despised the whole thing because a few little fringe elements went a little, little, little wonky afterwards. Um, but that was not the heart. The heart was, you know, a group of college students desperately seeking the Lord, spending all sorts of time together in a room, 10 days fasting, praying until the spirit of the Lord just fell on them. They just opened up to it and, and it was amazing. And, and it reached out to the world. I mean, the healing ministries that were birthed out of the latter rain movement that, the kinds of things that happen, very, very significant across the earth. And so that's one thing. But 133 years ago now, it was also the place where Louis Riel was hanged. And where uh, uh, the residential schools, the very first residential school is in North Battleford. And that whole thing with the first peoples and, and, and really what happened and the manipulation involved... And the, and the fact is, I learned a certain history in school growing up, and I have always held to that as being accurate because I learned it in school. So I knew for a fact that, you know, Louis Riel was a, uh, a guy who whipped up a group of, of Métis and First Nations folks, and they went after uh, the settlers and, and tried to kill people, and he got hanged for treason. I knew that that's, that's the history. That's what happened with Louis Riel. Of course, if you read Louis Riel's own diary, you find out he was a prophet of the Lord, that he was put in an insane asylum because he was speaking in tongues, that 
you know, they, they actually were, I mean, he was filled with the spirit. He would have significant manifestations, so they, they threw him in an asylum. When he came out, he was trying to work for the, the righteousness of the treaties that were being, were, were, were being signed. He was trying to, to, to work out righteousness. And that is finally starting today to, to permeate, you know, the knowledge in, in the culture. And, and so people are talking about it. But I was one of those always who didn't want to hear it. Because I'm actually quite comfortable with the way I learned it. Because it doesn't make, you know, because then I don't have to worry about it. Then I don't have to be responsible for anything else. And, and to have sort of that, that heart come through and, and with the level of, of the Holy Spirit that was in the room, the, the level that it moved on people's hearts and the true repentance, to be able to stand forward and repent for really what our government did purely on economic basis, purely because that land was great land. And the natives were on it, farming it and ranching it. And the railway was being finished and the land was coming together and this was now really, really rich land. And so Europeans wanted it. And the Canadian government worked it out so that they got it. And, and so all of this stuff that we hear about, well, they stole the land. Well, you know, they were nomadic people who ran around on horses and lived in tents. Um, these were farmers and ranchers, very rich people. They got rounded up and, and moved off. And so to be able to take that and to truly repent and to cry out for forgiveness of the sins of our forefathers, just how Daniel did, and, and to be able to identify with that and ask for forgiveness. And there was a whole contingent of, of First Nations folks who were there who were able to, first of all, hear that and tell us some of their stories, their own family stories. So that uh, North Battleford is Thunderchild land, and there were some Thunderchilds there. In fact, the head of the Thunderchild clan and his wife were there. And so they, they were able to tell us some of the stories and, and, and whatever. Uh, very, very powerful stuff, and it moved on a lot of hearts. Moved on from that, there were, there were many of those kinds of things that happened because in the end, you know, what Art was saying is, Yes, we're going to pray for revival. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. We will be praying for revival. We'll be asking Lord to, to, to open those wells, to, to visit the same way that he did 70 years ago. But we got some housekeeping to do first. Um, you know, and, the, and this, this is where that went. So very deep, uh, hard to explain. I've done a you know, really poor job in many ways. But I, I just wanted you to know that that's, you know, that's the level of, of thing that's going on to clean off some slate, to deal with some legal rights that the enemies had. Uh, because I will say this, when you look at the residential school kind of thing where they effectively to try and basically brainwash the kids to, to basically change the culture, you take the kids away from the parents, you, get, you cut off all parental rights, you take the kids away and you indoctrinate them in schools. Are we going around that mountain again right now? We are yeah. going around yeah. that mountain again right now unless we stand against it. Yeah, and and when you realize that, no, this this is really really important because this is the battle that's being fought right now, where the state is getting to the place where saying that you know you know what we can do what we want at school and you don't even have a right to know. I mean, literally, a parent in New Brunswick took the the school to, uh, the school um, board to court, simply asking for the right to know what his children were doing at school. And he lost in court. He lost in court. And so, I mean, if you think about what the heart of the residential things, the government of Canada, 
took kids away from the, and put them into schools and told them, you can't speak your language, you can't believe these things, you can't think this way. This is what's happening right now to all of our children. And so this is not going to get better unless we, like this is a battle we cannot skirt. All right, this is coming to your front door right away. And so, uh, and the, the truth is, most, 90% of parents, Christians or not, would be appalled if they knew that's what's really going on. But we're told, oh, no, this is about anti-bullying. Well, it's not at all about anti-bullying. It's about programming your children away from your virtues and your values and your belief systems and indoctrinating them with another one, telling them you can't talk Christian language. You can't be a Christian school and say that God is infallible. That, you know, I mean, this is, what, this is where we are right now in Alberta. So these are important issues historically because we're visiting that same mountain again. And, and you saw with, with, uh, after David was king and God had blessed the land for a while, then all of a sudden there was, all of a sudden it was three years of famine. And David goes seeking the Lord. So what's, what's the deal? And the Lord said it's because Saul broke treaty with the Gibeonites. Back. So Saul, who's not the king anymore, and the Lord has blessed in between, but now it's time to deal with this treaty that was broken with the Gibeonites. And so, you know, uh, David said, well, what do we got to do? And um, what they had to do in the end was actually kind of ugly and bloody, but um, it involved some, some of the descendants of Saul getting passed off to the Gideonites who then killed them and hung them on the wall. Um, so, you know... It's a little bit of an ugly story from, from a current modern-day perspective here in the West. But at the same time, you recognize this, this idea that this thing that happened back here is now affecting what's happening over here in the physical. And that's a real thing um, in Scripture. And so we, we want to deal with those things. Anyway, uh, that's the kind of thing that was being dealt with there and that needs to be dealt with uh, both in our land long term, but also... You know, in order for God to really, to really pour out what He's going to pour out, and I want to say one last thing. It's not actually about what has happened, but it's about the fact that our worship team is actually going out there on Thursday, and we're leading worship Thursday night and, and Friday, Friday morning, morning sessions. Uh, normally, that just sounds like a kind of a neat thing to do to go out and be able to lead worship somewhere. We we we, we kind of love that. I'm I'm telling you the weight. Is, is deep. It is heavy. Okay? So if you could be praying for the team, because we're not just, you know, we, we are not going to put on a show. <laughs> there, and not that we would, but I am telling you that the level to which I feel totally inadequate to the purpose. I'm totally inadequate to the purpose. And that's okay, because if we felt adequate, we probably would be wrong. So, um, but this is, this is a different level of thing. It, it really is. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, be praying. Uh, the sessions, uh, the first three sessions consisted of um, repentance, as, as they were saying. And, and um, it was actually heartbreaking to hear the atrocities um, committed against uh, the, the Native, the, the First Nations people. And um, God really moved on my heart, and, and I, cut it, I, I identified with, you know, what you, Jen, were carrying when you were trying to sing that song. 
It's like the nations need the Lord so bad and Canada needs the Lord so bad. And, and the Lord showed me the indifference in my heart about his, you know, as long as we're safe, as long as we're okay, as long as my family is, is in a protected place. But it's come to a, a point where we're actually not in that protected place anymore. And, and, and my, my heart, my cry is, is for mercy. <laughs> Because I've been not a hundred percent, but indifferent, and um, I'm thankful for God just allowing me to to visit some other nations and get a heart for those places. Um, and um, I don't know. I'm hoping it's okay if I share this. Uh, Curtis is a part of a a, a worldwide um, uh, watchman for the nations. They they have calls. And, uh, and Curtis and another girl, Amy, that was there were able to share some of the things that were happening in the, in the state of Canada at this point. And, and I got on the call just for a little while and I heard the nations praying for us. And in a way, I was thinking, where was I for their nations kind of thing. But um, I, I'm grateful that we can now arise take a stand for justice and righteousness in this land, because it will, Canada's called to the healing of the nations, so if we can impact our nation, we can actually impact other nations as well. The cool thing that came out that really uh, was astounding to me that I had never really noticed in scripture is as God calls us to arise, we actually respond to call him to arise. There is a verse, I didn't look it up. So I'm not 100% sure exactly what it says, but it talks about the arise, arise, O Lord, and something about the strength of his arm. But even just arise, O God, let your enemies be, be scattered. He invites us to call him to participate. Um, standing up here, I'm kind of, I'm filled with a very unexpected heaviness from uh, what, was, what we're carrying and, and even uh, an anticipation of things that they haven't covered yet but I know that are going to be covered. Things like dealing with abortion and things like the praying for revival. Um, but what I'm struck with is partly from what happened last night. They had to leave a little bit early. Mark had to leave before the session last night but Nathan and I stayed way later than we were planning on because it was very powerful. And what... Um, Lou Engel spoke about fasting and fasting and prayer to release the breakthrough and fasting and prayer to release um, the, the harvest, actually, to release just a, uh, a wave of God's glory to come and, and, and draw people in. And what I'm, what I'm carrying right now that's, like, heavy for me is it was, it was awesome to see the, um, like, there was so much, like, gray and white hair in the crowd. There was, it was that generation for the most part. It's like largely, um, you know, mid to high thirties and upwards is the, the majority of people there. And I'm just right now, just like carrying where was the 20 somethings at this meeting. And so not to say like, Oh no, they're, they're not there as much as it is like there is a calling for the restoration of millennials in Canada that um, they haven't gotten to yet, but I know that they're getting to based on what they were speaking about last night for um, fasting and prayer to just release the harvest because 
uh, there's a generation that's getting taken out. And normally I don't carry this. I don't necessarily carry for my generation, but I am. And, uh, and that was part of what was being released last night. And so to stand in the gap legitimately, not to just say, oh, you know, the 20-somethings are flaky. We don't know how to draw them in. But it's the glory and the presence of God and the, and the beauty of God that's going to draw in the, the millennials who are looking for something authentic. So um, just, yeah, to partner with the rest of Canada to say righteousness needs to be established so that we can see how beautiful it is and we can be drawn into it. That it's so much better than the fake. That it's so much better than the cultural uh, revolution. They spoke a lot about uh, a generation that, will, that is rising up that will not be tied to cultural relativism. That it's not about, well... The Bible was written 2,000 years ago. What's the relevance now that it won't be about that, that it'll be about the establishing of the principles of God and his authority in the earth? So um, that's something that they're standing for. In terms, when we talk about standing for righteousness, we're talking about standing for something that draws in the people because it establishes the pillars of the beauty of who God is. Can, can you feel that on him? So uh, I want you to begin just to pray. Just release your heart because I feel like you started to release something in the room. Uh, So, Lord, we pray you would touch, God, all the generations. Thank you, Lord. So, Father God, we ask for that cut-through revelation, God, for righteousness to be established, Lord, that we would start to, that we as a church first would start to declare the truth of the righteousness of God, that we would start to believe it, Lord, that we would start to believe that you are good and that you are righteous, and that that would establish a plumb line, God, that that would establish a tower that goes straight into heaven, Lord, not a man-made tower, but a tower in the spirit, Lord, that would be like the, the a reverse lighthouse. Lord, that would draw people to it in Jesus' name. And Father God, I just ask that that righteousness would be established and that those in my generation who are tired of the flakiness and who are tired of feeling that there is uh, that there's nothing substantial to Christianity would actually have that mindset broken, that they would start to see the glory of God and the righteousness of God and be unextricably attracted to it, God, and that they would they would dive in, Lord, that first in the church as well, that in the church my generation would start diving in to the righteousness yes. of God, to the beauty of God, Lord, that your love, the perfection of yes, your love Lord. would start to become in our view, God, that we would start to see just how perfect your love is and how it's not some watered-down version of who you are, Lord, but there's an authenticity to who you are, Lord, and that we would start declaring that and we would declare that throughout the world, Lord. We would declare that in the marketplace and we would declare that in our places of influence and in our places of entertainment, Lord. God, wherever the realms, Lord, we would start declaring, look at how beautiful our God is and look at how righteous our God is. How can anything else compare to this? So God, I ask that you would establish something, that you would plant a seed, Lord, that would start to germinate right away, that would start to germinate and sprout out of the glory and the presence of God being released in the earth through your people and that it would draw in a generation who is falling away in Jesus' name. Yes, amen. 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 Share, pray, whatever. Um, One of my favorite things about the weekend was actually getting to spend time with the Den Otters. (laughs) 
and Curtis in particular, because it was sort of random. We've never hung out, and we spent like eight hours driving together. And uh, it was that was actually really amazing for me to just hear Curtis's heart. And, um, Can you hear the ten-minute shout in Nathan's voice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was actually really. I was. This is weird, but I was actually. It was late last night. We got it in round three, and I actually didn't want the drive to end. I was actually enjoying hearing Curtis so much and fellowshipping, which is, I actually like. Um, and it was just so amazing. So that was, that was really good. Um, but what I found really amazing about the meetings was the reality. It seemed like it was real. It actually, it seemed like it mattered. Um, not just, because I've gone to lots of... Uh, good meetings, but it seemed like it actually mattered, and it seemed as though God really wanted to give Himself. Not like you had to convince God, but it was like God was waiting. And I was surprised because I thought, why would God give Himself to Canada? In my own mind, because they're so selfish and self absorbed and kind of blah to me compared to, you know, like China or something like that. People like, but God's intention for Canada is so vast that he would do what he wanted to do. His, his desire for the native people, which I've never connected with, but he really wants to release him. I've always sort of thought that he just wanted to kind of get them out of the way so we could get on with things. But like his desire was to pour out a whole nation and to transform a nation. And I thought those ideas, but it was like it's in God's heart to have a nation that's righteous. That from a place of parliament and government would even proclaim his name, would, would glorify his name. It's not just our mindset of what God wants to do is so kind of low. And even in my own heart, I've said grand things, but in my own heart, I really couldn't imagine it. But it seemed, I don't know if it was just the leadership that was there, that their hearts are so exploding things that are real, but it seemed like this mattered and that God was going to do it. It wasn't as though God didn't want to do it. Like, I always have been in meetings where it seemed like God doesn't really want to, but maybe we could convince him. But it almost seemed like the opposite to me. Like God was overbearing and saying, I want to do this. I want him to do this. And I will use weak people. And I've used a weak nation. And I've used North Americans. And I've used this because I so long to pour myself out. I so long to manifest myself. So that was really good. Uh, so if, if I can... Can I ask everybody to stand up? Can we sing together? Oh, Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love, in all thy sons We see the rise, the, the true north strong and free, from far and wide, O Canada, we stand on guard for thee, God. Gloria. 
Amen. Amen. I'll just uh, close this up rather quickly. I was, I was thinking, man, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything really burning to preach on. What am I going to do? Listen, there, revival is, is what we need, and it's going to affect something personally. It's going to do something for you as an individual. But a revived people is always unto something else. You need to be revived as an individual to, to believe that, for example, that God is and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. If you believe that God is and that he will reward those who seek, to the degree that you believe that, you will seek. And so revival is a restoration of a belief that enables you to seek him. And, and that net effect upon your life is, is unmistakable. It will happen. It is a part of the journey. But then what about a people when they are revived? What happens to a collective people? Well, the Protestant Reformation is one of the greatest examples of a collective people being revived. Because, and we, and we, we look to it as a cornerstone moment for uh, the, the, the forward progress of the Western civilization. And, and you know, the socialists, uh, I mean, by, the, by that I mean, you know, the sociolo- sociologists may not understand what it is that catalyzed this thing and what was really behind it, because they got all kinds of secular reasons why this happened. But there's no, there, it's, those are byproducts of an awakening in your spirit. The Protestant Reformation was a release from slavery that enabled you to know that you mattered and that your participation in your world would create change. I mean, and so it is an awakening, a grand awakening for a whole civilization from sleep, from the belief, the benign belief that, that I am stuck in a world, that I am a victim, that I am stuck in a, a class system, economically, socially, geographically, whatever it is, that I cannot escape from. So the first revelation that came with revival is you were revived to believe that you can make an impact on your world. What we are trying to see ourselves awakened from is that we, the people, actually decide, either by our action or by our passivity, where this nation goes, collectively. I mean, the whole, if you understand from an educational standpoint, even the nature of government and the way it works, it is the will of the people being expressed, unless the will of the people is dormant then a minority of activists can come in and speak for you. I am stunned how many Christians put on their Facebook, I am not political. What does that mean? I understand parts of it. Oh, I don't want to engage in the mudslinging. So don't. But speak what is right. Speak what is correct. That's not not mudslinging. and, And this is all I'm going to say. We got a problem in the church because if I if I go somewhere and I make a stand about righteousness and then you hear through the grapevine that Mark went up and he said all these hateful things. Well, what did he say? Well, he's, it was just the tone. It was just you know. I remember I was in a I was in a prayer meeting and I was calling people to repentance because there was there was re, re, there was bitterness against leaders and pastors and people in their lives. I said, listen, you need to be free from this. You need to forgive. I had somebody stormed out of there. 
I mean, they were mad. I'm not taking this. And they swore, were swearing. And I thought, you know, so I said to the host of the pyramid, he said, well, what was it that I said? Well, it wasn't what you said. It was the way you said it. And I had some people there with me. I said, I've never actually heard you that, to be that gentle before. <laughs> so what, ha- what happens is this, is you hear that the way that Christian values were presented in this meeting, in this meeting, and you weren't there, oh, it, it, was the, it was the wrong way. So that it, it wasn't what they said, it was the way they said it. And the way, the way they said it, it doesn't matter. On that, when it comes to assaulting darkness, it doesn't matter how you say it. You can say it in the most gentle way. We're seeing this. You can say it the most, the most considerate, the most loving way. And it will still be called hate speech because you don't agree with us. And Christians sit back and they're not sure whether they should get behind a certain Christian leader. Well, they're a little bit controversial. And I don't want to be controversial because that's political. Listen, Jesus was the most controversial figure there was in Israel at the time. And anybody who was conscious of their reputation would not align with them. And the same thing is true today. So we've got to get over that. We've got we to substitute. Listen, I am not going to believe an evil report about the way you present it. And you know what? We're not necessarily going to present things perfectly all the time. But that's not, we're not going to sit on the sidelines. This, the enemy is counting that we'll all sit on the sidelines and let ourselves be picked off one at a time. Anybody who, who stands up for righteousness, they get taken out. And the report, well, you're not like that. But it's, they were really rude. And you probably, yeah, I'm a much better presenter of this because I don't say anything. We've got to get online. I mean, I'm telling you, you start, you start calling Trudeau's office every, every week because they poll. They, they, they listen. They write down how many people are calling and saying yes to this and no to this. They keep diligent records. And for each one of you that calls, 500 people didn't. So if, if we would just start calling weekly, your MLA's office, the premier's office, our, our education minister's office, well, we should just pray. No, we should pray. But faith without works is dead. Let's do both. If this, just this group for the next 16 weeks started calling once a week, tens of thousands of people we are representing. Because right now, let me tell you, the organized left that hates you hates your rights, wants to take your kids away, wants to put you in jail, they are calling constantly. They are organized. They, they send out emails. And when they, when they say, hey, I'm sending out a post, stand behind us. And all those Christians are like, well, let me see. Is that post too controversial for me to represent? You know, I'm not sure. Eh. They have many counts on that divisiveness when the other side is completely united. Stand on guard. Stand on guard. Stand on guard. That's all we have to do. So, Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. 
Thank you, God, that we have the freedom to gather here today. Thank you that we have the freedom of conscience. We have the freedom to say what we believe. We have the freedom of thought to, uh, to stand that we are part of this country, God. And, there's a, and, and you have given us that right. You have given us that freedom. Our forefathers died for that freedom. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to stand for that freedom yeah. today. God, in Jesus' name, amen.